Welcome to the Country Music Critic. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And this week we're diving into the rockin' country music cowboy, Mr. Jason Aldean Williams. That is right. That is his original last name. Yeah, I never knew his middle name was Aldean. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people call him Aldean. Jason yeah. Aldean. So I don't who knows? I, I've yeah. heard so many people say it both ways. Well, but he changed the spelling of his middle name when he got famous because he thought it would you know, look he, better. He sure did. He sure did. So Jason was born February 28, 1977. The time that he was born, the number one song was Say You'll Stay Until Tomorrow by Tom Jones. Never heard that song ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have. He's like a. Have you really? Yeah, he's like an old, uh, like what? What are they called? Like the little rooms in you know Vegas, like those little show. Oh, okay. Rooms. That's kind of what. That's what Tom Jones did. Oh, I got you. Well, nine months before that, the song that his parents were likely making love to was "Don't All the Girls Get Prettier at Closing Time" by Mickey Gilly. And also, What Goes On When the Sun Goes Down by Ronnie Millsap. Those are the two songs that were number one nine months before Mr. Jason was brought into the world. Actually, we know what was going on when the sun went down. Evidently. Evidently. (laughs) So Jason was born in Macon, Georgia. The population there around the time Jason was born was 122,423 people. That's a pretty big town. Yeah, it's not small. I've been through it many times. Have you really? Yeah. Well, his parents, that's where they had him at. And obviously, the town has produced a lot of big names like the Allman Brothers, uh, Otis Reading, Reading, Little Redding. Richard, yeah, Otis Redding, Little Richard, uh, and then two members of REM, Billy Bear, mm-hmm. Barry, Billy Barry, and Mike, Mike Wills or Williams. I can't even pronu- pronounce his last name. One of them from the REM. They was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The city was kind of a hub for the 70s Southern Rock theme. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so Otis Redding, he's from there. He is he is a singer of one of my all-time you know, favorite songs. Well, you know, what's that? You know the song, Sitting in the Morning Sun. Oh, yeah. I'll be sitting. That's his song. Sitting That's by the dock is, huh? on the dock of the bay. Yeah. See, if it's not country music and if it's not like on the radio now, I'm I'm so lost unless it's Bob Seger, you know. <laughs> I'm cursed with just listening to country music all of my life. That's a pretty damn bad curse. Yeah, well, it's got its good days <laughs> in the bad, you know. Here recently, it's not been too damn good if you turn on the country music radio. So... So anyways, when Jason was three years old, his parents decided to split. Um, His dad went down to uh, Homestead, Florida, and that's where Jason would spend his summers. He was raised by his mom back in uh, Georgia. When his dad would go to work, he would write down chords for Jason to look over and study. And by the time that he got home, Jason already knew how to play them. Uh, some of Jason's favorite songs was The Blues Man, My Home is in Alabama, by Alabama, The Cowboy Rides Away. Now, the coolest guy that he got to see in concert, and at the time that he announced this name, he never did get a chance to meet him, and I'm not for sure if he has uh, before he passed or not, but that was Mr. Kenny Rogers. That was Jason's uh, person that he looked up to. Hmm. Which is, uh, you know, it, Kenny Rogers, man. I mean, he he had some massive uh, hits in it, you know, yeah. by himself. He's I mean, one of a kind. I'll, I'm a fan of Kenny Rogers. 
Exactly. I mean, you, you just got to know when to hold them, when to fold them, you know? Know when to walk away, know when to run. That's right. So when Jason turned 14, he was watching the country music show, and uh, that was the Country Music Awards is what he was watching. That's when he decided that he was hooked. One of the first two covers that he learned to play was Seminole Wind by John Anderson and Sticks and Stones by Tracy Lawrence. Some good songs. 1991, he decided to change his name to Jason Aldean. Instead of Jason Aldean Williams. So it's just Jason Aldean. Mm-hmm. 1992, he started in a house band. His dad helped him get the gig there. His dad was his first booking agent, basically. He won enough money off doing shows in the area to buy a 1985 Toyota pickup truck. That's pretty impressive to win enough money to buy your first truck. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is. So this was around 1998 after high school. He started playing at this place called Buckboards in Atlanta. This place is famous uh, for creating stars like Mark Wills, uh, Cletus T. Judd. Remember Cletus? No, yeah. Every light in the house is blown. (laughs) <laughs> I'm telling you, man, the Cletus was something else. Yeah. So they were uh, from that area. And that's where he was approached by Mr. Michael Knox. Michael is the one who talked Jason into moving to Nashville November 1st, 1998, at the age of 21. Hmm. Yeah. So Jason came to town in 1998. He was 21 years old at the time. He also says that had it not been for music, he would have been a baseball star. And since I'm not a fan of sports, I would have never heard anything about him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. You would have never heard of him. Uh, You know, actually, there are a lot of musicians out there who were good at a sport and could have went pro in a sport or, you know, Jason Aldean evidently. According to a whole bunch of interviews, he was, you know, offered a few different scholarships to you know, colleges to play baseball. Although I tried to find the exact, you know, you know, colleges that offered him scholarships, and I couldn't find any of them. So I don't know if it's just, you know, something that, which in the past it wasn't something that was, you know, talked about a lot, you know, public knowledge. But right, if right. it's a kid that's in school today. You can see what all schools that have offered them and everything there, you know, <clears throat> message boards and all kinds of stuff on the internet that, you know, kind of talk about, you know, the careers of, you know, athletes in any sport, really. Uh, but I looked for that and I couldn't find it. But he said in the interview, since he wasn't you know, drafted by the Atlanta Braves, um, he decided he he didn't like school, so he wanted to go pro in something. And since it wasn't going to be baseball at that you know, very moment, he decided it was going to be music. So he right. he focused all his attention towards that. So in 1998, he's in Nashville. Uh, Mr. Michael Knox at the time was a VP at a record label. So they get Jason a uh, a deal, obviously, with MCA. And it was right before the holiday season. And a lot of people in the record business uh, at the start of December all the way up to February, a lot of those record labels are just shut down. That's kind of their vacation time. So by the time uh, that he was signed, when he come back, MCA had merged with DECA, who he was, uh, you know, working a deal with. And they had too many male artists. And they're just like, Jason, we're going to have to put, you know, we're just going to have to forget about this. So then he gets offered another deal with Capitol Records, which is a very mass record label. And there things just didn't work out. You know, they just didn't see at the time uh, Jason being what Jason is prepared to do. And at that time, if you remember, that's when the Backstreet Boys and the boy <laughs> bands was really 
burning up the radio. So oh, yeah. that's kind of what Nashville wanted to do. They wanted to put together a boy band to keep up with the times. And thank goodness that that didn't work out because, you know, Jason may have been vulnerable enough to record something that he would later regret. Yeah, that's true. You know? But anyway, so he's playing a show at the Wild Horse Saloon, and he gets offered a record deal with Broken Bow Records. Now, this is four weeks before he decides, I'm going to give this six months. If it doesn't, I'm going back to Georgia. I'm going to figure out something else because he was just, he was so tired of being dropped by two labels and things just weren't happening for him. So he signs up with a uh, broken bow, broken bow. Shortly after that, uh, he picks up an, a guy by the name of Kevin Neal, which is his booking agent around early 2015. Now the cool thing is here, Kevin Neal, I actually talked to him on the phone in the year 2005. I myself was fresh out of high school. We were wanting to put on a benefit concert for uh, Re- Relay for Life for Cancer. And Kevin Neal was the first guy that I called uh, trying to book somebody. Well, he actually says, I got Jason Aldean for 10000 and I'm like, man, that's the guy that's got the Hicktown song. It was so fresh on the radio. I just didn't see 10000 for him to come to Barron County High School and, you know, that it would pack. So we, we went with Jeff Bates. The guy had five songs on the radio. He packed the place. It was a big deal. But it was just cool to see that old name, Kevin Neal, pop up again in this yeah. history you know and yeah. at the time jason was only ten thousand dollars yeah i wonder what it'd be now uh well we will get to that later in the story i do have <laughs> that price stay tuned so in august of uh august 4th 2001 jason marries his high school sweetheart jessica now jessica has been with him from high school She has stuck with Jason through thick and thin. She was the one that handled all the paperwork, all the money, all that stuff in the beginning. So March 28th, 2005, he's with Broken Bow. He's got Michael Knox producing his record. He's got Kevin Neal as his booking agent at the time was the hottest booking agent in Nashville. 2005, he releases Hicktown. Do you remember hearing Hicktown for the first time? Um, I do remember it, yeah. It was a rocking tune, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So that that was written by John Rich, Big Kenny, mm-hmm. and Vicky McGee. Of course, John Rich and Big Kenny of yeah, Big, Big and Rich. And Rich. Uh-huh. So the song went so well that it sold over a million copies. But it never reached no higher than number 10 on the charts. Isn't that crazy? Because it kind of feels like it's a number one song. It does. It does. Jason didn't get his first number one until he released Why. Do you remember that song? I do. I only remember it because uh, I did a little research and listened to his uh, Spotify channel. And I remembered hearing it because I saw him in concert years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did. I remember hearing it then. So John Rich of Big and Rich and uh, Rodney Clausen or Clausen and Vicky McGee, they wrote that song as well. So I remember Jason performing Hicktown at the CMA Awards and seeing John Rich stand up clapping so hard like he just won some money at the uh, horse races. And now it makes sense. Yeah, you, you got know? royalties off that shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. He did win so, some money. <laughs> so the third release was Amarillo Skies, of course, wrote by the same people. Did you know that Amarillo Skies was also recorded by McBride and the Ride? What's McBride and the Ride? They were also a country group around the time. They recorded it in 2002, released it. It didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Jason took it in 2005 and took it to number four on the charts. Who's in McBride and 
don't, I don't even remember what you said. McBride and the Ride. It was kind of, they were kind of like a group, kind of like Lone Star. That's what mm. they were like. Uh, so it was a well, bunch of dudes. Kind of, but not like hip-hop dudes. They were dudes right, from right. the 90s. Yeah. Right, right. So they, I mean, they they did have some good songs. I would have to look it up because they were not massive stars. But if you like country music, you've heard the name. Then after that, he releases Asphalt Cowboy. It was never released to the radio, but Blake Shelton, um, he recorded that song in 2003, which is kind of crazy. I see sometimes if a song doesn't make it by one artist, they try to push it by another, you know? Yeah. That same year, the year that all this hit the radio and all of his success, uh, he wins the ACM 2005 New Artist of the Year. That album earned 8.1 million, which makes it eight times platinum. It's pretty cool. Yeah. For your first album. Yeah, no kidding. That's impressive. After, you know, uh, dealing with so many years of, okay, I got a record deal, but nothing happened twice, <laughs> you know? So now let's go back to the name Michael Knox. Michael Knox is the guy who you're going to see produced all of Jason Aldean. He come up with that sound. He is also from Macon, Georgia. His father was uh, Buddy Knox. He had a big song back in the 60s and the 70s called Party Doll, which was around that type of music. Obviously, I never heard it, but <laughs> I checked it out. And, of course, you know, it sounds something like your grandparents probably knew right off who it was if you asked them. Yeah. Mr. Knox also produced Montgomery Gentry from our home state of Kentucky. Cool. So that rock and sound kind of makes sense. He also produced Trace Atkins. So you could put money on it if uh, Michael Knox is part of it. It's going to be rocking. Yeah. It's probably going to have a little beat to it. Yes, sir. Michael Knox is worth $1.5 million. And I have to say that a lot of that has to come from Jason Aldean. Yeah, right? but if you think about it, that's not a lot. Not really. No. I mean, it's more me and you. Yeah, but I mean, how long has he been doing this? This is nine albums that he's been in with Jason, you would think. But I would say these producers, and this would be a good question that we could uh, research. How much does a producer make? I'd say they get a lump sum. It's got to be a percentage of you the think sales. So? Because yeah, it would have to be. It's yeah, just like an again, agent, like a sports agent. Like, say I'm a star athlete and I have a sports agent who's talking to teams and, you know, the agent you know, gets me a deal to, to, you know, to play for the you know, Boston Red Sox. And it's a three-year, just for sake of you know, simplicity, it's a three-year, $100 million you know, dollar deal. Then I have to pay my agent. It's changed a little bit. It used to be 10%, but it's getting so high into the millions now that it's kind of went down, you know, percentages. But for the most part, it's pretty standard that they get you know, 10%. So I would imagine a producer is going to get more than an agent is, wouldn't you think? Because well, they're I actually producing it, the music. Yeah, but a producer is almost like a general contractor. They're getting paid to come out and produce the job, and then that's it. I would think that the writers, the singer, and the label would get, I mean, it's all They're going to get the majority of it, but the producer think. needs to get some. Yeah, that'd be something that we'd probably have to Google because I don't know how that would work. Because if that was the case, all I'm saying is you would think that he would be worth more than $1.5 million. Yeah, I think he's being ripped off. <laughs> Either that or, or you know, it's kind of like a contract deal. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how that works, but we will next week we'll have that answer for you. Yeah. So back to Jason. Second album is released. Uh, 2007-ish. 
around that time. That's when I seen him at the Wild Horse Saloon, and I also seen him that same year at the Blones and Tunes Barbecue in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. So he releases his album, Relentless. He has Johnny Cash, that big massive song on there that was also recorded by Tracy Bird. Mm-hmm. You need to go Google that because it's I listened pretty to crazy. It. Did you? I didn't like it. I didn't like it either, but it sounded like the music was identical, like the, the instrumental, wasn't it? Well, a lot of his, almost every song I heard of his are very identical. <laughs> Who's that? Tracy Jason Bird? Aldean, yeah. Really? They all sound similar. I don't like, know. They've I mean, all got they the do same... have that rocking guitar that's always different in it. Yeah. I think. I mean, from my point of view, there, there is a few that do run together, but mm-hmm. I think he has enough at you know, I mean, it's not like Nickelback because all their songs sound the same. It's not like Linkin Park, right? All those songs sound exactly the same, but just because that's their style, even though that style really yeah took away from. I mean, yeah, Chester had talent. He was a good singer. He was a good musician, and he was a good person. But he had a lot of demons, and you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into that. But the style of music they played, it was. It was so repetitive that yeah. every song sounded like the next. And I don't know. Yeah, Jason Aldean's not like to that point. Yeah. But every one of his songs have the same outline. Like it's gonna tell you, okay, here's a little little, you know, lead in solo on the guitar. And it's gonna start off a little slow. And then it's going to build up a little bit. You get to the chorus. There's going to be a big yeah, drum. Boom. And yeah. he's going to start screaming the chorus out every time. <laughs> yeah, well, we can agree to disagree. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So a- after Johnny Cash, he releases uh, Laugh Until We Cry, which was a really good song. The video was put together really well. It actually had it featured his children in that video. 2007 ish so he had uh let's back up here for a second he had his first daughter february 14 2003 his second daughter come around august 20th 2007 which is where we're at now so they were featured in the music video uh it become his fifth song to stay in this top 10 with only one number one uh a part of that album his first tour was opening for Trace Adkins. Then he went on the Flats tour, where he opened, then Blake Shelton, then the Flats. He was with them for um, the first two years of his taking off. Hmm. Yeah, and you know what? I was actually at uh, that tour when they came to Freedom Hall, but the buddy that uh, that we went with, he was running late and he's like, man, it's just Jason Aldean. And I was like, dude, that's the only reason I'm going. I mean, I'm not going to rock out with Rascal Flats with you. <laughs> you know? So anyways, so 2009, 2010 ish rolls around. He releases She's Country, which is, it kind of brings it back to the hick town, rocking out guitars and, it was a massive hit. It was the lead single for his third album. It becomes number two. Then uh, it hits number one on all charts. Uh, the song was the first to have a dance mix made to it. Around 2009, when people had ringtones, Jason Aldean's ringtone was Midnight Rider. Huh. Then, man, let me tell you, you legit went deep on this research. Man, I'm trying to. I'm trying he wear to really. Uh, that is not included on the internet. <laughs> Does he go commando? <laughs> you me you know, we're we trying to uh, let all the women know about him, too, you know. So. so, anyways, then he releases The Big Green Tractor. Now, I have to say, <laughs> this song wore me the fuck out. Because they played it way too much on the radio, man. Let me tell you, that song is about the only song that I heard in my normal life 
because at the time I was dating this girl and she had a couple of kids and her youngest one was a little boy. And at the time he was four, I think he was around four. He's the sweetest little kid and he's now grown, but, uh, well, almost grown, but he used to stand on top of this little stool and he would belt that song out. And then it was so cute. Like that song got old, but it was just cute, you know, hearing him sing it. So I still smile thinking about that song just because of him. But right, and and it does, you know, uh, country music has songs like that that the that the kids will stick to, and sometimes you remember the setting that you were in when you heard the song versus anything about the damn song. Unless you're like my kid and you know all the words to uh, you know, "Last Dance with Mary Jane." <laughs> right, that old Tom Petty. So uh, we actually have a connection with Tom Petty uh, later on in the story, too. So back to Big Green Tractor. That was written by Mr. David Lee Murphy and Jim Collins. Now, I know you know who David Lee Murphy is, correct? I know the name. Are you serious? You cannot be raised in Kentucky and not have ever heard Dust on the Bottle. Yeah, I know that song. That was David Lee's biggest country radio hit that Who sung that song, though? David Lee Murphy. I don't remember. I thought it was somebody else. No, 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 no. David Lee Murphy sung Dust on the Bottle. He actually had a few good songs, but David Lee Murphy has cut more songs than you can even imagine. We're going to do an episode on him in this season. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take up for myself. I spent the majority of my life, you know, thinking that the song actually said, yeah, dust on the Bible. Really? Yeah. I didn't know they said bottle. I thought they were talking about a Bible. Till when? Uh, until, I mean, it's been a while since I've learned, but, uh, I mean, I spent a good, I don't know when the song came out, but you got any idea when it came out? The song come out of uh, 2008-2009. Okay. It was probably 2015 when I found out. Yeah. That it was No, now, now, the big green tractor. You're talking about Dust on the Bottle. Yeah. Dust on the Bottle come out, I'm thinking, in the 90s. Let me Google that because it's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, I was, I bet it was every bit. Let's see, I lived there. Yeah, go, no, go was, ahead and take a guess. It was probably 2012. It was probably 2012 when I figured out that it wasn't Bible. That song was released in 1994. <laughs> That's a great song. It is a it great is song. It is a great song. And here's the thing, though. Like, honestly, when we get to David Lee Murphy on our episode, you're going to be blown away. The guy has wrote so many hits that you hear on the radio that you'd be like, there's no way that was David Lee Murphy's song. And I hear that when you write with him, he takes you down this long gravel road and then you show up at this real shitty cabin and like <laughs> he hangs out in there. He's super tall, dude. And he diddles your butthole. With a, yeah, uh, we're, we're taking away from poker. Jason. We're taking away from Jason. Yeah. But. <laughs> it's gonna be great, I promise you. So back to Big Green Tractor. That song was offered to Jake Owen. Can you imagine Jake Owen singing it? Uh, considering I don't know yeah, much about Jake Owen, I, I've heard of him, but I don't, I don't really know him. No, I can't yeah. imagine him singing it. Well, Jake did the impressive thing and said, you know, I wasn't raised. Uh, in the country atmosphere as far as in riding on tractors and stuff. So I'm going to have to pass on it, which I have to say that is a, you know, a lot of country singers ought to do that shit instead of singing about some truck or, you know, some something that they don't understand. Exactly. You know, I'm tired of hearing fucking country songs of people telling me how country they are. They shouldn't have to. You know what I mean? We've hit a nerve. Just saying. I'm mm-hmm. so tired of that in country music. Well, so, anyways, after that, he released <clears throat> "The Truth" by Brett James, Ashley Monroe, which is a phenomenal singer and writer too, and it makes it his fourth number one song. Do you remember that song? Yeah, I do. Yeah. 
So then he releases Crazy Town, which peaked at number two. It was a song about coming to Nashville and all the hard works that goes into trying to chase your dream. That was his only song that never had a music video to it. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, then he does CMT Crossroads with Mr. Brian Adams, which is a phenomenal artist. You oh, know yeah. Who Brian Adams is, right? Yes. A great singer-songwriter. Yes, he released uh, his version of Heaven, and that has been used at so many weddings, it's unreal. But I got to yeah. say, Jason, it's hard to beat Brian Adams' version. No, you're not beating that version. No. Yeah, Brian Adams' uh, uh, son, yeah, Ryan Adams, is extremely talented as well. Yeah, I haven't checked him out. It's just that kind of that father-son thing. It, it only really worked with Hank Williams, Jr., I mean, can you think of another father-son artist that was massive? I mean, I'll listen to him, but can I mean, you think Bob of Bob Dylan wasn't a great singer, but his son, yeah, Jacob Dylan, was the lead singer of the Wallflowers. Yeah, they had one big hit, though, right? They have a few out. They're still releasing music, but it's, uh, I mean, just because it's not in your genre doesn't mean that it's not, you know. Well, yeah, uh, but I'm just saying, you know, name one, though, really. Like, okay, your dad was really, really famous. Like, do you think the guy can sell out arenas, though? I mean, he has. (laughs) Oh, he is. Okay. He has. I mean, I don't know if he could now. It's a little late now. He he really peaked in the early 2000s, probably, but. I have to check him out. Because now, does he sound better than Bob Dylan? He's got a better, you know, singing voice. Yeah, Bob Dylan's not a good singer. Bob Dylan's unique. You know, yes, which very makes neat. him. You got to credit him for that. You know, it's like Tom Petty. Tom Petty's not a not a strong singer. Not at he's all. He's got a unique voice. It's actually his voice is very similar to Bob Dylan's. Yeah, and it's almost like Casey Musgrave. She can't belt those Martina McBride songs, but no. she can tell you a story and make yeah. you fall in love with just listening to her talk. Her yeah. sweet little tone, right? <laughs> So that same year, he did a, a track with Randy Owen, but it didn't get released. That was one of his favorite accomplishments was being able to work with Randy Owen from Alabama. But for some reason, it didn't make it to uh, the album. But in Jason's eyes, Alabama was as big as the Beatles. Yeah. To him. What about, hey, what about Billy Ray Cyrus and you know, Miley Cyrus? That is true. I didn't think of that one. She's a much bigger star than her dad ever was. Yes, she is. That is very true. So there we are, a country side of it. Yeah. We have Miley Cyrus and Hank Williams Jr. Who else? I mean, uh, I got to think about it for a little while. Let's keep going on, Jason. All right, so 2011 is where we're at. Jason begins to release My Kind of Party. Now, let me take you back to 2011. 2011, me and my buddies, about three years prior to that, we found this guy on the internet named Brantley Gilbert. He had a bunch of songs with Colt Ford. He had Dirt Road Anthem. I mean, Brantley Gilbert, before he's the Brantley Gilbert that he is now, he was impressive, dude to take music and just put it on Facebook or MySpace and, you know, connect to so many people. So I heard that Jason was going to be recording Dirt Road Anthem. So as soon as the song come out, I went and bought it on the internet. It was snowing. We went out to the backfield, me and some buddies. We shot our little, you know, little old music video for fun, put it on YouTube The next thing you know, we have over 100,000 views. Now, in 2010, that's huge. It's It's nothing now. People get that in five minutes now. But back then, that was so huge. So six months goes by, and one of my buddies from work called, and they said, man, Jason Aldean stole your idea. I was like, man, what are you talking about? So I go home, pull up the video. Our video is the same exact layout as Jason's. So at first I was like, man, that's the coolest thing. But then I was like, well, hell, nobody's going to believe me. But mine was uploaded first. 
Right. So I called Jason's people and I was like, you know, hey, it, it would have been cool to just know that y'all seen my video and that's how you got the idea. So I actually got a hold of the producer, the guy who comes up with the ideas for the video. <laughs> yeah. And because uh, I was taking this thing as far as I could because I was a young dumbass. Yeah. And I actually thought I could get somewhere. So uh, he tells me like this. He's like, you could probably sue me for stealing the idea. But I would turn around and sue you for using the song without Jason's permission. And I said, all right, then. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's funny to look back on now, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that album, Jason, has a bunch of cuts from Brantley Gilbert. But now to Jason's surprise, Brantley Gilbert's fan base is so big that they're bashing Jason and Brantley has to make a video that is still on YouTube to this day to where Brantley's like, I'm not a sellout. Jason's helping me by recording these songs, obviously, because of the royalties on them. Right. Just give him a break. And I mean, that that's a pretty big deal when you're an established artist and yeah. you have to have a guy who's not established to come take up for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, but still to this day, have you heard Brantley Gilbert and Colt Ford do Dirt Road Anthem? Uh, yes, I have. I think that is much better than Jason. It is. It is definitely. Colt Ford, which, I mean, it's his song, but uh, I heard the original version with just him. And, I, I mean, I enjoy – I'm not a huge <sighs> – hmm. I mean, I like the Colt Ford version better. Uh-huh. Um, but – I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of Jason Aldean's version of it, but it's whatever. Well, I'm sure you know, Colt Ford made some money off of it. So, Well, you know. in, in all reality, we have to give props to Jason on it because had Jason not picked those songs up, he couldn't have took them to the level enough to get Brantley in the business yeah. and, and you know get all that started. So thank goodness that he did do it. So later on in that album, they released Don't You Want to Stay a Little While with Kelly Clarkson. That uh, song alone sold 2.7 million downloads off that, and he won four ACM awards just for that song. Uh You remember that song, don't you? I do. Yeah. So here we go. Do what now? It was a good song. It was a good song. So after that, he, between uh, 2012 and 2014, Jason's hanging out on the beach, June 2012, with his children. And there's about 100 people there. And the security say, you know, hey, the waters are a little dangerous. You don't need to be out there. Well, the security guy decides to go to Jason and give him two $100 tickets for going ankle deep in the water. Jason takes to social media, of course, pissed off that he was the only one that got ticketed. Right. <laughs> well, but, you know, the guy probably looked at it as like, hey, man, I need to make a point. This guy can afford it. Yeah. You know, but I guess we'd have been pissed, too. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I'd have been mad, but. Kind of singled yeah. out, you know. Yeah, ultimately. I don't know. I understand what the, what the yeah, dude did. In the lifeguard or whatever. I understand that. I'm good with it. He should have he should have made an example of him because if he was telling everybody to get out of the water, then everybody should have got out of the water. Exactly. You know, yeah. just because you're famous, Jason, doesn't mean you could still stay in the ankle deep water. Doesn't mean you have to be a dick about it. Right. And take it to Facebook. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Jason releases Night Train, which I have to say that album and that video for that song was just, I loved it. Night Train, it was awesome. Then he releases uh, Take a Little Ride. That becomes number one. Then he releases The Only Way I Know. It went number one. It was one of the first songs that Jason uh, recorded it with Eric Church and Luke Bryan. You remember that song? I do. Yeah, that was a good song. The video for that was shot at the uh, award show when they performed it live. Then he released 1994. It was a tribute to Mr. Joe Diffie. Do you remember that song? Uh, somewhat. 
Yeah, it's like 1994, Joe Diffie cranking up the stereo or something. Well, anyways, Thomas Rhett wrote that song. And, uh, of course, Luke Leonard and Barry Dean, they helped him write it. But what it is is he did all the major hooks to Joe Diffie's biggest songs. And even though that was a massive selling song, it only peaked at number 14. Hmm. Thomas Rhett's dad at the time, which is Mr. Red, Red Akins, That Ain't My Truck In Her Drive, everybody loves that song. He jokingly said, I need a cut from J.A. because the royalty check was so huge. Then Jason releases When She Says Baby, which picked up number um, one. 2013, Jason co-hosts the CMT Awards with Christian Bale. They open the show with American Woman with Mr. Lenny Kravitz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to check that out. That was a pretty good performance. Yeah, I think I remember right. that. Here's where we get to a little bit of interesting news on Mr. Jason Aldean. In 2012, he was busted by TMZ by inappropriately kissing on Brittany Carr. In a bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it hit the tabloids and he released, you know, that he, he messed up. He did something he wasn't supposed to. Brittany, she also comments and said that it was a lack of judgment. Hmm. So I don't know if he had his ring on or not, but still to this day, Jason hates that that's the way that his marriage started. Yeah, or ended. Yeah, both <laughs> of them, right? So Brittany... A little history on Brittany. She was born July 19th, 1998. And actually, let's build this up the right way before I tell you the story. So, seven months later, Jason uh, says that, you know, he's going to have a divorce, which is April 26, 2013. All right. So, here we are in 2013 of April. I seen Jason in 2014 at Rupp Arena. Me and the boss that you used to have, Kay, we went up there to film for Florida Georgia Lions drummer. He was doing this promotional thing, and he hired us. I got a little bit of feedback. Do you have feedback? Uh, I don't. Okay. What about now? All right, cool. I just didn't want to drive our listeners crazy. So, (laughs) anyways, we're at the concert. We do our part, and then uh, it's time for Jason to come out. And I see this pretty-looking blonde on the side of the stage, and we have all-access passes. So I walk up, and I say, Brittany, I loved you on American (laughs) Idol. And she said, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. So I was like, can I get a picture? So me and Kay, we get our pictures made. And the cool thing was – is every now and then Jason kept like eyeballing the side of the stage. <laughs> and, and I thought that was the coolest thing. I mean, you know, it's just like, he's got Rupp Arena here full of people, but his eyes keep cutting over here to the corner of the stage at Rupp Arena. <laughs> Jason, if you're listening to this, you can pull back the footage and see, because that did happen. <laughs> That's funny. He's about to kick yeah. your ass. I know. I thought that. You know and what? I was like, well, you know, you did kind of steal that video from me back in. <laughs> yeah. Take that, asshole. Yeah, right? That's kind of what I was thinking. So, uh, September 2014, he announces that he's uh, engaged to Brittany. They get married uh, in May of 2015, which is two years later. Okay. In that time, Jason releases his sixth studio album which has Burning It Down on there, which is wrote by Florida Georgia Line, of course, and a few of their buddies. Hmm. Yeah, I keep hearing a lot of feedback on my end. You good? You don't hear anything echo? I don't hear anything. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, Burning It Down uh, was one of the first songs in that year to have 184,000 downloads the first week that it was released, which is really cool. Uh, then he releases Just Getting Started. That went number one. Then he released Tonight Looks Good on You, which was written by Thomas Rhett's son's dad. So he finally got to uh, 
or Thomas Rhett's dad. Red I was real confused. Thomas yeah. Rhett's son's dad. Right. <laughs> so, but but he finally got that cut on Jason, and it went number one. So, this pushes us over to he releases. You're gonna know we were here. Which yeah. that song put him uh, one of the three artists that year that had the RIAA platinum sales. The only other two artists to do that was Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande for that year. That tour, Burning It Down, which is the one that I seen, and I'm pretty sure you've seen it if Florida Georgia Line opened the show. I think so, yeah. So, and you said that was down in Alabama, right? Yeah, I went to one in uh, Birmingham. Okay, gotcha. That tour, he donates 600000 to the uh, Susan G. Coleman Foundation of South Florida. Mm-hmm. He also does CMT Crossroads again with Bob Seger. Mm. Yes, yeah. and they released the song Turn the Page uh, with Jason singing it. So then he uh, releases a couple more. They don't know we're here when the lights come on. Now, have you heard that song? When the lights come on, yeah, start singing. Okay, here's how this song come about. He texted Tyler of Florida Georgia Line, the one who does most of the singing, and he Mm -hmm. said, "Hey man, I need a rocking song for my album that's coming up." And Tyler sent him this song within two days, which is pretty. That's a pretty fast turnaround. Yeah, that song went number one, obviously. Then he released A Little More Summertime. It went number one. Then he released Any Old Barstool. That went number one. Then uh, 2016, Jason wins the ACM Entertainer of the Year, not once, not twice, but three times, all together in 2016, 2017, 2018 which is pretty cool. So in 2018, he releases uh, his eighth album, which is Rearview Town. Uh, the first single on that was You Make It Look Easy, which was cut, which was written by Morgan Wallen. Sure. We are two pages away, folks. I know that this is a very long co- uh, podcast, but we're getting so close. So let's see where we're at. I'm missing something. Hold on one second. Okay, so in 2017, October 1st, Jason is playing his number one song, When She Says Baby, at the Route 91 Harvest Festival in uh, Vegas when shots rang out, firing into the crowd mm-hmm. from the 52nd floor of the Mandalon Bay Resort, killing 60 people and injuring 867 people. Do you remember that? I do. That was uh, was a huge happening in the country at that time. Yeah, and and, you know, he got a lot of uh, criticism for running off the stage. They said that he should have said, hey, everybody, take cover, but think about it. I mean, where are they really going to take cover at? If somebody can't figure out to take cover when there's gunfire, you know, raining down, then they got problems on their own. Yeah, but, I mean, Jason did what anybody would do in that position, and that that's get to cover yourself, you know? Yeah. I mean, you really can't hate on him for it. CYA, you got to cover your ass. Yes. So seven days later, he opens up Saturday Night Live, and he dedicates, you know, uh, the song that he performs, which is by Tom Petty, uh, We Won't Back Down, saying that we would all come together and overcome this. And thank goodness that uh, that they did and that the shooter was killed himself. Because mm-hmm. you know, that's such a coward way to do things. Yeah. Well, this, this so, the world. We- yep. That same year, his son, his very first son, he had two daughters. Now he's got a boy. His name is Memphis Aldine, which is a cool name. He yeah. was born 
December 1st, 2017. Mm. Then 2018, he releases uh, Rearview Town, which we already said was written by Morgan Wallen, the it, You Make It Look Easy. So here we are in 2019 with his album number nine, which is his most current album and his lucky number, number nine. He releases We Back, mm-hmm. which was written by Tyler. All right. So then, let's see, he comes down here and he releases I Got What I Got, went number one. His current wife, Brittany, says that that is her favorite song because basically it's saying, I like what I got now instead of what I had. So, you know, I can Mm -hmm. see why. So then his most current number one is Blame It On You. It went number one, and it's the first time that his band guys, this is the same guys that he had since the Wild Horse Saloon days. They have a cut that Jason sung, which is Blame It On You. It's on the radio right now. Awesome song. Then his daughter, um, February 4th, 2019, Navy Rome was born. So Jason now has three daughters and a son. Since 2004, Jason has raised $4 million for cancer research. He is also the co-owner of Book Commander. Have you ever watched that show? I've seen the brand. I've never watched the show. Uh, his favorite team to root for is uh, in college is the Georgia Bulldogs. In 2013. You there? Yeah. 2013, he got to play at the Georgia Bulldogs Stadium. with uh, He had 60,000 fans there. Ludacris showed up and they performed Dirt Road Anthem together. Hmm. 2015, Forbes says that his income is or $43 million a year. That was his income in 2015. So 2017, he's ranked as the 7th highest paid country singer at $32 million. Nice. 2019, Jason was named Artist of the Decade. That's the most beloved ward that he has. Now, if you want Jason to come play at your house, take a guess at how much it costs. Um, a hundred grand. Not even close. You want to take another one? Two hundred fifty grand. Between five hundred thousand and a million dollars. Well, he can kiss my ass. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna close with some uh, fun facts about Jason. His wife made the headlines lately by telling uh, the VP, Miss Harris, that uh, Memorial Day, our family doesn't take Memorial Day very lightly, like uh, Harris was posting some jackass of a picture, you know. So that's pretty cool that she was kind of standing up for the fallen soldiers, you know, and Memorial Day and what it means. Yeah. Uh, Jason recently played up in New York and his main comment was looking across the crowd. He's seen people and his first remark was, it is so good to see so many people without their fucking mask. And the whole place started cheering and chanting USA, USA. So, uh, also his drummer, Rich Redman, uh, he has a big YouTube page where you can see behind the clips of his drummer playing the big stadiums that they do. His wife, Brittany, does all the driving because she gets car sick. Jason is also a Miley Cyrus fan. Mm. Brittany and Jason are both Republicans. Uh, let's see. Jason started the Night Train record label this year, signing Tyler Farr, which is the guy you probably seen when you went to see him in 2014 with Florida Georgia Line opening, Tyler had a redneck crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now Jason's current favorite artist to listen to right now is Morgan Wallen. Mm. They recently built a home that took two years to complete. It's over 20,000 square feet. 
Jason loves karaoke night. He said it's the funnest thing to do, but it's really stupid if you get on karaoke and sing your own songs. So he kind of looks down on that. His wife launched a hair extension line. His wife is also a first-degree black belt, so she can protect him. In what? In uh, karate is all it says. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So his oldest daughter in 2020, she didn't get to go to prom because of the uh, virus pandemic. So Jason and his wife gave her a prom party in Florida at their home. That was sweet of them. Yeah. All right. I believe that wraps it up with Jason Aldean, people. I know it's been a long one, and I know it's been confusing. So (laughs) we try to uh, make it the best that we can. And and we're still working on this. The the entire idea of this show is for me to give you all the notes that I have on an artist. And I'm supposed to give you an unbiased opinion because I am – not educated on these people at all until the week before we do it. I do a little research. I come to my conclusion and we give you the star system, but we also give you our fight, our make love and our song to put on repeat. Right. And I'm ready for mine. Go ahead then. All right. So love would have to go down on three of them. Don't you want to say burning it down and night train. As far as making love? Yes. You ain't going to make it to the first chorus. Yeah, you already know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't already know, actually, but thanks. Yeah, well. We've never made love. <laughs> no, no. There you go, making me sound gay again. <laughs> hey, you do that all on your own, buddy. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. What's yours? <laughs> You know what? I don't want to know yours. (laughs) Let me mute my part and you tell them. My make love song is uh, When She Says Baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the fight one would be Johnny Cash in 1994. Just because 1994 kind of puts me in that place where I wasn't thinking smart enough to make good decisions. So I probably fought better. Yeah. Mine is a Dirt Road Anthem. Really? I kind of be like a slow fight. Yeah. Yeah. Well. It is what it is. All right. So the chill would be, you're the one I want to be with and ain't ready to quit. Those two. You got a lot of songs you're listening to. I know, man. I mean, he's had quite a bit. I couldn't stick to just one. The song I would listen to on repeat and just chill listening to is Night Train. That is a good one. That's one of my favorite ones by him. Good song. All right, folks. Well, you know, we've took up enough of your time, and uh, we're getting better, so don't hate on us too bad. How many stars you getting? Well, let's see here. I'm going to go with four, and the reason for four is because he's not in the Country Music Hall of Fame, and he's not a member of the Grand Ole Opry. And in my opinion, you can't call yourself country music royalty until you are one or the other, at least. Yeah. All right. Well, um, because he likes baseball, and I like baseball, um, I'll give him a star. Because he puts in a lot of work. And he does, like, he's got nine albums, and good Lord, he's got a ton of songs. You can't say that he's lazy. He is a hard worker. Um, I may not be a a fan per se of his music, but he's not bad. Um, He's actually a a decent singer. He's not the best singer, but he's not a bad singer either. So I'll give him a second star for that. And the third star, the thing that I've noticed about him from the first time I've ever seen him, um, this man's head doesn't, like the size of his head does not fit the rest of his body. He has a head like a bastard house cat. Really? Huge. Like his head is gigantic compared to the rest of his body. And I'm I'm not an attractive man, so that's fine. Like I, I can say that and I'm okay with it. But uh I like that he is 
extremely you know famous and of course when you are famous and rich you're gonna you're gonna get all kinds of women you know hollering at you you don't matter if you're the ugliest guy on earth but so just because i can relate to him on that then uh yeah i'll give him a third star that's all he's getting so we have him at three stars and four stars and that is our country music review on the country music critic for mr jason aldine thanks folks all right y'all have a good week see you